Welcome to Get Celebritized with Araya McGarry. Araya is an Emmy award-winning TV show host, producer, director, author, and so much more. In 1999, Araya was told she would never speak again after having her left vocal cord nerve removed during cancer surgery. But against the odds and facing adversity head on, she found her voice, literally. And now she uses it to tell great stories of hope and inspiration to help motivate entrepreneurs to earn more, live more, and give back more. Now, let's get celebritized. Now, here's your host, Araya McGarry. Hello, hello, everyone. Happy, happy evening, morning, afternoon, wherever you are watching and whatever time zone you're in, watching or listening to the show, Get Celebritized. I'm your host, Araya McGarry, and I am so excited to be here tonight to help you all earn more so you can live more so you can give back more there is so many wonderful people out there that need help and for you to be more successful so you have the overabundance to give back that's what it's all about and tonight i have an exciting guest who is i'm going to say a movie star but let me tell you a little bit more about him because he's a very very special friend of mine that i act actually got him some he, he gave me some time tonight because he's busy, busy, busy. Wait to hear about what he does. He is a perfect guest for tonight for Get Celebritized because he is a celebrity in his own right. So hum humble, though. So I'm going to brag about him. It's none other than Mark Pettit. He is a three-time Emmy-winning investigative reporter from WXIA, WXIA TV, NBC, CNN, and CBS 46. He's a, he turned into an actor and producer. He's going to talk about the difference between being an investigative reporter and an actor and producer in movies and television. He is now currently serving on the Board of Governors with me, which is how I know him. But he's not just serving on the board. He is our Southeast Emmy's vice president. He is a best-selling author of a chilling true crime story series, and he is absolutely multi-talented, amazing in so many ways, and he's got stories to tell. So let's bring him on up here right now. Mark Pettit, come on down. Here he is. Hi, Rhea. Hi, Mark. It's so good to see you. Thank you, you for giving us this time. And thank you for having me, and thank you to everyone who's watching us on your show. I am so excited you're here because I've been wanting you on the show for quite some time because you are so multifaceted and multi-talented and you have such a great story to tell and you're so humble. So you're thinking, oh, you know, we're always striving for more and wanting to do more, but you've accomplished so much in your life right now where you are that other people need to know. How did you do it? How did you start? Was this the goal? Who helped you along the way? Mm -hmm. Did you learn anything from, from some failures and falling mm -hmm. on your face? So we want to know some nitty gritty and nuts and bolts because that's what my listeners and viewers love. They don't want just the fluff. They want to know, seriously, how, what is that you know that can help me in my journey? Not just if I'm an actor, but in business and in your dreams because you know, life can be hard. So Mark, what was your dream when you were a little boy? And you people would ask you, Mark, what do you want to be when you grow up? 
I would always say, I want to be a newscaster. I want to be on channel 11 or channel two or channel five. And uh, I grew up in Calhoun, Georgia, which is an hour north of Atlanta. And we were lucky in that we could watch the news in Atlanta. And I could also watch the news in Chattanooga. So Chattanooga was a much smaller market and Atlanta was a much larger market. So uh, I studied journalism in college and so forth, but uh, and also had a baseball scholarship. I played baseball in college, but tore my rotator cuff. And that's one of those things where I failed at something, but I decided I'm going to do this other thing. I'm not going to be a pro baseball player, but I can be a professional newscaster. So um, you're a little boy and you want to be a newscaster. That's not like what every boy says, you know, as a baseball player or, or actor, I could see, or movie star. What was it when you were so young and how young were you that made you say, I want to do that? Well, um, I just loved people on television like Jim Axel, John Pruitt, Wes Sargentson, uh, and I'll, I have stories about all three of those guys. But, oh, let's talk. Uh, what really <laughs> influenced me was the Wayne Williams murder case in Atlanta. Uh, with the missing and murdered children. I was in high school when that happened, and I was fascinated watching the coverage about the serial child killer and how much fear he instilled in the people in Atlanta and uh, across the Southeast. So as fate would have it, I worked hard after getting rejected a hundred times. I got a job in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and I knew if I could just get it going there, someday I could come back to Atlanta. So I was working happily in Chattanooga, Tennessee, making $12,500 a year. Um, True story, I didn't even ask the news director what my salary was. I was so happy just to get the job. It didn't matter. Uh, Of course. $12,500. And about a year into my time in Chattanooga, I got a phone call uh, from a TV station in Omaha, Nebraska. And I'm like, Omaha? And I called and the news director answered. And she said, Mark, uh, we've been watching you here in Omaha. And I said, how are you watching me in Omaha? I'm in Saturday. And she said, let's just say that somebody wants you out of the market. And as it turns out, the news director at one of the competing stations had come to Chattanooga from Omaha. He knew that they were looking for an investigative reporter and a weekend anchor. He started sending my tapes to the news director in Omaha. And um, so uh, her name is Carol Ruppel, one of my great friends and mentors. Carol invited me out to Omaha, and I thought, well, at the very least, I'll get a free trip, right? I don't think to I did. Omaha. Now, wait a minute, Vegas, <laughs> Hollywood, yes, Omaha, okay, Omaha. And uh, you know, I thought cows would be running down the streets and so <laughs> forth, but I got there and I just immediately loved it. It's a beautiful city, maybe a half million people. And um, we go to this fancy restaurant high above the city at the Omaha Press Club. And I look around and there are all these pictures of Johnny Carson, Tom Brokaw. And she said, you know that Tom Brokaw got his start at our station. And she said, I see no reason you can't be the next Tom Brokaw. So uh, I'll never forget this. We're at dinner and Carol says, "Uh, what got you in investigative reporting? And I said, Wayne Williams. And she said, well, we've got a case happening out here like that. It's a, it's a guy named John Jubert. Have you ever heard of him? And I said, no. And she said, well, he's killed two little boys here. Uh, massive manhunt. They just arrested him. Why don't you come out here and work on that story? So um, Carol pulls out a contract at dinner. And uh, I looked at the number. I think it was $25,000. So it was going to double my salary. Yeah. And I said, Carol, there's no way I can come for less than twenty-seven-five. 
And I remember she put, picked her pin up, scratched through the contract and wrote $30,000. So, nice. um, so all of a sudden I was moving to Omaha, Nebraska. I didn't know. But how did you get out of where you were working? I mean, uh, I, you know, I'd, I'd been it, there a year and uh, okay. we really didn't have contracts back then. The, the more okay. junior people, you know, we worked basically month to month. Right. And oh, the okay. new director who hired me was very understanding. He said, Mark, you're going to be in Atlanta someday and you've got to make these steps. You've got to go to another market so you can get better and come to uh, Atlanta. So while I was in Omaha, uh, you know, I was a huge fan of Jim Axel and Wes Argenson back in Atlanta. I started sending them my tapes to ask them would they critique me and help me, you know, and I'm not kidding you. Jim Axel at Channel 5 would send me three and four page handwritten single spaced critiques of my performance as a newscaster. And it was just invaluable. I would soak it up and I would come home to visit my family in um, Calhoun. And one day Jim said, do you want to come to the station and, and watch the news? You can come to the station and watch it. So there I am, uh, you know, 21 years old, 22. Uh, I'm at the studio at Fox 5, now Fox 5. And I'm watching Jim Axel. And Jim invites me to come to his home, meet his family, and just remained a great mentor to me. Same for Wes Argenson. They both took the time to help a young guy who, you know, just had a dream. I wanted to be on television in Atlanta. So in the meantime, something remarkable happened in Omaha. Um, I decided I was going to reach out to the killer. Nobody had gotten an interview with him and we were the same age. He was an Eagle Scout, a U.S. Airman, and we were both 21 years old, born like oh a God. couple of months apart. And so I'm fascinated. I'm like, how did this guy become a killer? And I'm kind of a good guy. How could that path go, you know, so wrong? Oh, yeah. And I wrote him a letter. I still have these letters. And I sent him a self-addressed stamped envelope. And I said, you know, just write me back. Sure enough, about a week later, I come into the newsroom and we had the slots, you know, the old wooden mailboxes, the little slots. I, yes. I pulled it out and it was my self-addressed envelope and it had his oh. prisoner number written at the top of the envelope. And I opened it and Araya, the penmanship was incredible. Um, the way he wrote and um, at the end of the letter, you know, he said basically his attorney did not want him doing interviews. But if I wanted to come to Lincoln, where the prison was, and just meet in person, he would do that. So uh, we arranged it. I went down and met him on death row in Nebraska. And we started the series of conversations that uh, ended up being seven conversations over about a year time frame. And during that time, he confessed to a string of other crimes, including a murder, another murder in Portland, Maine. So uh, one day I was, uh, and I'm going to talk to you about naivete, not knowing what you're getting into. One day the prosecutor yeah. said to me, Mark, you know more about this case than anybody besides the killer. You should write a book. And I was like, write a book. Okay. And believe it or not, I went to the, the sheriff's office and I said, I want to, I want to write a book on this case. They literally gave me boxes and boxes of evidence to take home. I had it all over my apartment in, in Omaha, crime scene pictures, rope, the actual knife from the murders. And I analyzed it all and started putting the pieces together. And it was like a chess match with the killer. Did that come naturally to you? Is that something you were trained in? 
Um, I've always been inquisitive. My mother okay. said that she once took me to the doctor because I asked so many questions. True story. <laughs> she oh. said, ask questions all the time. It's why. What You're about giving this? moms hope right now. You were giving many moms hope. <laughs> yeah. She, she said, you asked so many questions. I knew something was special about you. So I've just always wanted to get to the bottom of things. That's what I, I enjoy doing. And I love so that, Mark. Uh, uh, before you continue to, I want to just reiterate so far what I'm hearing from you. And I love this because the really key success tip in here is that you took opportunity and you didn't wait for somebody to come hand it to you. You said, well, here's the people that I admire. I'm going to just reach out to them. Nowadays, you do it through social media and they're right. accessible. And I've noticed that, especially here in the Atlanta area, but I'm sure all the other cities are just the same. Our newscasters are so friendly. You've got the Monica Pearsons, the Karen Greers, the West Sargentsons. They're all so friendly and want to mentor. Most people are too afraid to intimidate to ever do what you did and email them and back then you wrote them so very good point that you reached out to get mentored and they did mentor you i'll be what afraid to doing? ask for help you know because they've all, been, they've all been there and we'll mm -hmm. get to the point of being an actor now but i've now been on the set with some pretty famous people like jamie hey. fox recently i was on the set with him and viola davis viola davis mm -hmm. the great actors treat you so good on the set because they know what it's like to struggle yeah. I've auditioned um, probably 300 times in the last year. I'm not kidding you. Oh, and I, I believe went, it. <laughs> in between bookings, I went 114 auditions without booking. So it's really can be that can really cut into your confidence. Right. Um, but being on the set with those famous actors, they've all been there. And that's why you hear them say at the awards ceremony, they're just thankful to be working. Right. And only 10% of actors are actually working and getting paid. So yeah, you get a whole lot more rejections and you do jobs. All right. Well, I didn't want to derail your, your story, but I just want to make that point that I love how you reach out. I love how you don't wait for opportunity to come to you. No. You go out and got it. So now you're about to write this book, write this story about somebody so horrific. Keep yeah. going. So um, back to Omaha. Back to um, Omaha. We're, we're, we're doing these interviews and, and I, and I piece together what had happened back in Portland. I realized there was a missing boy who, a murdered boy. And I asked Jubert what, during one of the interviews, I have a little tape recorder. I still have the tapes. Mm -hmm. And I said, did you kill Ricky Stetson? He reached over and stopped the tape recorder. And he said, listen, I know you, we've become, you know, friendly. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to tell you I didn't kill him. And I put that, uh, I ended up releasing the book. Oh uh, it sold out in the first week. The, the publisher, we only published 5,000 hardbacks back in the day, right? Because the average book sells less than 5,000 copies. And again, if you know these things, you probably wouldn't do it, right? So- Right, um, exactly. What year was this, Mark? It was 1988 uh, when, when I interviewed him, 84, 86, and then the book came out. Uh, around 1990, the first edition. There have been okay. six editions. The book is called A Need to Kill, and you can find it on Amazon. The latest version has a blue cover, and it's called The Death Row Drawings. Um, uh, and that's a wow. longer story. But the bottom line is he had confessed to the string of crimes, and I felt I was in a quandary. I'm like, I know this information, but I feel a sense of loyalty to him, right, in a weird way. But I decided to write everything in the book. It came out. The whole thing blew up. Uh, the FBI came after me. They came after the station. They came after my notes. 
And luckily, um, I had a lawyer who helped defend us and defend me and said he's not turning over his records. You know, that's when journalism was really about the sources and uh, credibility and, you know, not giving in. Right. So what so happened I yeah, I ended up having to testify against the killer in Portland, Maine, and it was terrible. Oh, um, sure. And so we agreed that I would only uh, testify to that one quote in the book. And it was, uh, again, a bad scene. I didn't want to do it, but I had to. And he was convicted for the third murder. And uh, I remember at the courthouse, they were taking him out in handcuffs. And I walked over to his lawyer and I said, I'd really like to talk to John again. And he said, you can talk to John after the state of Nebraska executes him. So he was really upset with me. Um, the book went on to uh, sell 125,000 copies around the world to this point. Uh, right. But again, had I not, what had I known, what's, he's actually, what he, was executed, he was executed in 1996. And I was okay. back there. I didn't witness it, but I was at outside the prison yeah. with my old TV station. So uh, fast forward, if you, if you knew how hard things are, you would never do it. Knowing now how hard it was to write that book, I would have never done it. Knowing how hard it is to uh, start a business, I would have never done it. Knowing how hard it was to become an actor and a producer, I would have never done it. But that's the beauty of just taking a chance and mm -hmm. following your dreams, following your passions, and don't be afraid to ask people for help. I love that. And that's yeah. the way of not knowing the future. It is just, I remember somebody told me when he was doing a TV show before I did mine, <clears throat> before I won Miami, he goes, pursuing a television show is a roller coaster ride. And he meant it. I'm like, yeah, okay, I like roller coasters and dove into it. And looking back, it's like, he was not kidding. So yeah, <laughs> it's good that we don't know what we don't know when we start out on big, crazy dreams. Right. And you just got to go for it. And uh, I think, really is it do. Maya Angelou that once said, nothing works unless you do? I think I that's that. works a four letter word. <laughs> uh, that nothing works unless you do. And Absolutely. I came from a working class family. My, my parents worked in the carpet mills and um, I knew hard work paid off and I knew that I wanted to be more. Um, and so I went for it. And I'm not, and you did. And I'm noticing something else in the story that you're telling. I see into so much that I want the viewers and listeners to really gravitate to you because you've got that's a, a really great story. Investigative reporter, you did your job so well. You had this opportunity, but I also noticed along the way some success tips are that you reached out for mentorships and coaches. How mm -hmm. important is it on your road to where you are now to have good coaches, good mentors in your life, or are they non-essential? What's your no, point? They, What's your they they are absolutely essential. Somebody has helped you along the way. They've helped you. They've helped me. Oh yeah. You need to pay that forward. You need to, and I do it. I meet with young people. I try to mentor. If they write me, I answer. I try to give them advice and so forth. But also listen to the experts. Uh, when I started acting, I trained at a, a school here in Atlanta called Drama Inc. And oh. Catherine Dyer, if you've ever watched Stranger Things or The Morning Show with Jennifer Aniston, Catherine is one of the best actors in Atlanta and the country. And she's one of my teachers uh, at Drama Inc. And one oh, night yeah. she said in class, she said, you know what? We have to break you from that newscaster thing because newscasters are good evening coming up tonight. You know, it's more projecting. And she said acting is about reflection. It's about stillness. It's about not moving. And if you watch actors like Matthew McConaughey, he speaks like this, you know, his voice is really low, but he draws you in to what's going mm -hmm. on. 
And it's not about wild movements. It's about stillness. And it's a look. And it's a raised eyebrow. It's a policy. And so I started learning and I felt like a fake. Uh, the first six months of acting, I was like, I'm a fake. I'm not, I'm, and then one night in class, something happened. <clears throat> and Aww. I get cold chill bumps thinking about it, but Catherine said, that's it. That's acting. And so anything, you have to learn the technique. Acting is not about memorizing lines. It's about becoming something you're not. Uh, being truthful in imaginary circumstances is what they tell you. But it's they also tell you, skill. if you don't learn a technique, uh, mm -hmm. if you don't learn, there are, there are multiple techniques in acting uh, that help you draw an emotion. Like what I just felt, I use that in class. If, there's, if I'm in a tough scene, I will channel something that's happened to me to bring that emotion forward. And so once you learn that, it starts to add up and you're like, okay, I get it. It's and your so vaults of memories and vaults of experience. Yeah, my yeah, agent in Atlanta is a, a guy named Jacob Lawson at Privileged Talent. And when I met with Jacob early on, he said, Mark, listen, we can get you reporter roles, I think, but we're not going to pitch you to anything until you go to school. You start really training. And so I dove in. I was going two and three and nights. You don't want to get typecast anyway. No, uh, yeah. but I, I, I land a lot of newscaster roles, which I can turn on and, and win, and, but that's, that's fun. <laughs> but um, so about three months into the, 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 the training, Jacob sent me a real audition for a part, and I taped it. I sent it to him, and he said, hey, that's it. We're going to start pitching you for things outside of newscaster. Okay. Uh, then I started uh, training uh, with um, Matthew and Brooke over at a company called Get Taped here in Atlanta. And it was a, a, a four day intensive called the Sam Christensen process. And what it does, it teaches you to be yourself because uh, when you walk into a casting room, you know, you'll do the audition and they'll say, you know, Aurea, that was great, but do it one more time and just be yourself. And people, don't know what they are. Okay. So what I learned is that I walk in the room, they see me as the good guy, the attorney, the surgeon, FBI. But uh -huh. what I really am is a complicated character. I can turn on you now in a heartbeat and become, I'm now auditioning for killers, really, really bad yes. guys. Cool. And as a, an actor, you love that because yeah. you're something you're totally not. And now I'm so fortunate I'm training with Howard Fine, uh, an acting coach out in Los Angeles, who's trained Halle Berry, uh, some of the best yeah. actors. And I was so nervous. Uh, we, it was during COVID and he opened up classes via Zoom. And one of my friends in LA said, you know, you should train with Howard. You should try to get one of these slots. And I was so nervous. I thought he's gonna be, he's gonna chew me up in class, right? But he didn't. He was like, okay, Mark, that was, that was good. Now try this, I want you to, mm -hmm do this. And now uh, next month, I'm going for uh, a four day intensive in person with Howard in LA. And I can, each one of these things are just cumulative. It's adding, I'm getting absolutely, better. And absolutely. And Mark, That's you did a smart thing too, by stretching yourself, doing what makes you nervous. If you stay same old, same old, stay comfortable, you're not growing. So absolutely. I'm glad you said yes to somebody who made you nervous, who said, right. oh my gosh. And it would be all right if he chewed you up because that's what you wanted. But he saw talent in you and now it's going to bring even more out. And it's because I believe school is never out for the pro. And you are proving that in spades right now. And 
especially in the acting world, you're never done learning. You're never learn, done learning how to do a different technique or a different way or a different character that needs a different, different nuance. And Mark, how cool with you that you can pull from your experience, your personal experience with a killer now and mm. pull that into your acting. So I'm so glad they're tapping into that because you're a good guy, but you've had experience with the worst of the worst. Right. And you know things and you've you've been face to face oh, with yeah. a killer. And most actors have to go in and find that person and, and do the interview. You've already had it very organically. So I'm sure that'll come into play, you know, many times over. And you've done some amazing movies we're going to talk about. But I'm sure the listeners or viewers are asking one question. Their head's probably spinning because we kind of brushed over it. Here you are newscaster in Omaha, and now you're a very successful working actor. How, how did that happen? Where was that fork in the road? I lost my job. Um, back at Channel 11, uh, this is like 1991, I'd won three Emmys in two years, and I was on my way to being the next John Pruitt. That's That was okay. my goal. I was the number two anchor, and my last year at Channel 11, I literally worked every holiday. You know, okay. uh, I, would, I was the backup to John, and it was like, hey, you want to be newscaster you're going to work every holiday you're going to work every uh you know mornings nights weekends yeah. it's really hard in television and a news director came in and fired us all there was like 12 of us let go at the station what? and we were it's uh, i always say that news directors can change two things the set and the talent so um and that was wow. another unsettling thing for me i didn't want somebody were they handling my destiny you know what i'm saying so to speak right exactly but were they just cleaning house yeah partly and there's some other things that you'll find okay, out well, later okay because i'm working to turn uh, my book into a true crime series now a tv series As and uh, it's going to be about the young reporter and the young um uh the killer and the reporter and something happens to the reporter down the road and uh, so yeah. What I put your Instagram up right now because people are going to sure. want to, you know, stay in touch with you and 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 be a part of this. Tap in, buy the book, see the series. Uh, but you you said something, Mark, um, too is, and me, I've been an entrepreneur for gosh so many years, and it's because back in the day. I didn't want somebody in charge of whether I work today or not. It's different when you're an actor and you can you can go out and get auditions. You can because you know you have control over doing thousands, whatever it takes. But working a job, you are you know, your destiny is still in the hands of somebody else. What if they don't like you today? What if you do something wrong and you can get that pink slip? So yep. good for you. For oh, I got it. I got yeah, you got the pink slip, but it's all right. And, you uh, turned you know, lemons into lemon zane. Lemon zane. In the, end, lemon. in the end, it turned out to be the, the best thing that ever happened to me at the time. It was the worst thing. And um, you lose your your self-identity. You know, I, I, this is all I ever wanted. And then it was taken away. And I just decided I don't want to be a video nomad. I don't want to travel. I had an offer in Dallas and I think one from DC. And I said, this is not what I want to do. And um, I decided to get into PR. And again, this is where the mentors come in. I started calling all the major PR firms in Atlanta asking for meetings. And um, one of the people who took the call was Jane Shivers. And Jane was the uh, the managing director at Ketchum Public Relations here in Atlanta. And she ended up running the Southeast and so forth. And she and I met and we just instantly hit it off. And um, so what she said, I think your skills will transfer. You can teach people how to deal with the media. 
you can pitch the media because you know what they are going through. So again, it was just an evolution. I had to step okay. back and start from scratch again, learning. So you didn't go to, straight into acting. You went into PR no, and marketing. No, I went into PR and marketing. Yeah. And so again, yeah. I'll tell you what happened. Um, MCI, the long distance company was one of our main clients. And I was coaching the president of the company at the time. His name's Tim Price. And Tim said to me one day, you should be on our side. You should come to work for us. And again, I'm 26 years old. Uh, I'd never managed people or a budget. And suddenly I had a, a budget of like $4 million, ended up oh having like 45 people work for me at MCI. And it was a wonderful education. Again, something completely unexpected, but it was- Learning, uh, journey, Jane all good. Givers, thank you, Jane, who gave me that chance. And uh, she, you know, she mentored me, she helped me. And then when Again, the offer coaching came- Coaching and mentorship is important, right? Good when the you. job came at MCI, Jane went with me the very first day uh, to, to, out to uh, MCI's wow. office. And she later told me, my knees buckled for you. And again, I didn't know what I was getting into, yeah. but it ended up being a wonderful experience. But uh, one day I was at the table and we had like six different agencies that worked with us. Mainstream, African-American, uh, Hispanic, events, nobody worked together. And one day I said to myself, why aren't these agencies all working together on one team? And naively, I decided uh, after MCI was acquired, I had a little money uh, from in my stock options vested. I said, I'm going to start my own agency. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start my own agency where everybody works together. So yeah. in 98, I started Creation with an X, uh, where creativity meets strategy. And from my dining room table and my friends who had, all were leaving MCI going to Porsche going to Burger King, Pizza Hut, started giving me contracts to come and work with them at their places. And so my little business started to take off, started hiring people. We ended up being one of the, 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 the best PR firms and still are in Atlanta, but it grew too big. Um, at times I had to have 12 and 15 employees. And about six years ago, I decided I don't like this anymore. I don't I feel like I'm working for the company. The company's not working for me. And I was so busy worrying about payroll and rent and uh, where the next assignment was coming from. I'd gotten away from working with the clients, which I really, really liked. So I just made the decision that I was going to do something different. I was going to scale back creation. And that's when one of my friends, we were at a dinner party. He's an actor. And, um, and he's, I said, do you think Caleb Spivak is my friend's name. I said, Caleb, do you think I could get a part as a reporter? And he said, do you want to be an actor? And I said, you know, it's always been in the back of my mind, but I don't have any experience. I was Buffalo Bill in our high school play, and that was it. <laughs> Good experience. Said, well, you like. started with that with the newscasting. Yeah. So you've been in front of the camera. So that's a yeah. good and start. Half the battle. So uh -huh. Caleb said, somebody help me and I'm going to help you. So oh, I still have the folder in my credenza back there where he brought it over on a weekend and it's a folder and it said, Mark Pettit from Emmy to Oscar. And he had a list of like 12 oh, I things I needed to do to get into acting, headshots, resume, acting class. So Caleb started introducing me to his teachers, to his agent. Uh, and he is the reason I'm in acting is that he, he opened the door and helped me realize this is something I want to pursue. And so that was four years ago. And again, I think it was one of the best decisions I've ever made. I scaled creation way back. I only work with um, 
two and three clients at a time now, which helps okay. pay the bills because most actors have to have a real job. Okay. Because oh, I know it's only 10% are getting paid jobs, right? Now. Yeah. yeah. And I, I wish I hadn't heard this statistic, but the average oh. actor only makes $5,000 a year and you cannot. And that's live. good. Most aren't even working. Yeah. So it's, it's really a tough business, right? It is. So luckily I had creation that allowed me to pay my bills while I pursued this new passion. And it mm -hmm. just took off. Um, you know, I booked um, like my first booking was True Detective on HBO. And um, uh, Jason McDonald, who is Catherine's husband, he's a wonderful actor, one of the co-founders of Drama Inc. He had a workshop called Get Ready for Set. Luckily, I had had that workshop like two weeks before because they flew me out to Arkansas to be on True Detective. And the main message it was is act like you belong there. OK, don't be starstruck. Don't ask for any autographs. You walk on that set. And the first thing they're going to ask you is, what do you want for breakfast? He said, it's always breakfast. And he said, it's going to be a second AD is going to come up to you and say, Mr. Pettit, what do you want for breakfast? And so sure enough, I get there and I just acted like I own the place. Right. And uh, we're in this really interesting scene uh, with an actor who's been on Falcon Crest. He had been around the world. Right. Great gravitas. He was the attorney general, and I'm a reporter questioning him at the press conference, right? So, uh, and I remember it in our class, it's about eye contact with actors. It's the look, and, and, and they had taught us, look the other actor in the eye. And so I looked him in the eye with my line, and the whole, the whole room lifted. I could feel it. Uh, I was like, what are you going to do about this case? You know, they filed an appeal. The, the evidence is going to be overturned. We will not let that happen. We will convict him for murder. So the whole room just elevated. It was such a wonderful feeling. And I was like, this is working. You were hooked. You can do you this, hooked. right? And um, so I then started doing some things like with SCAD, uh, the, the, the college. I love SCAD. Yeah, here in Atlanta. So what SCAD has is tremendous equipment and resources, right? They, and they right. have these young filmmakers who are learning. And um, so I started watching on Actors Access. That's where we get, they call them breakdowns, yep. what's coming for the mm -hmm. shows. And I started looking at some of the breakdowns and I told my agent, Jacob, I said, listen, what if I go out for some of these SCAD films because there's some good characters? He said, do it. We need the footage. Because mm -hmm. for actors, it's all about building your demo reel, right? And Absolutely. if you don't have any footage, you don't have anything to show. You don't have any Absolutely. credits, right? Sizzle so I did a couple of SCAD films, and one of them, I was a killer, and it just oh clicked. I was like, okay, I'm the bad guy. I Full circle, to Mark. Full circle in your life. Back to 1986. Yeah. So um, it's just kind of snowballed from there. Uh, mm -hmm. Like I said, most recently, I've worked with Jamie Foxx on uh, his new movie called They Clone Tyrone. Um, uh, there's a great new series coming out on Showtime called The First Lady uh, that I believe uh, premieres okay. April 17th on Showtime. I mean, that's the, the one with Viola Davis, right? Viola Davis plays Michelle Obama. I and love that. Just a little bit of a, uh, a spoiler for you. I play an evil anchorman who attacks her on air, and she's, watching, she's watching me in the White House. And so we're not... We weren't on the set together, but we're supposed to be in the scene together. So I'm so excited to see well, what that's she. That'll be great for your sizzle reel, Mark. And uh, surprisingly, I I auditioned to play Jimmy Carter in the series. I auditioned to play uh, President Harry Truman, and they I kept bringing me back. And this yeah. part just fits. For, yeah, 
I was uh, when I auditioned to play President Truman, Jillian Anderson uh, is she plays uh, uh, Franklin Roosevelt's wife. And um, so President Truman meets with her in the Oval Office because after Franklin died, he knew he had to win her over because right. she really should have been the president. Right. And so uh, I was in the scene and I thought to myself going into it, I'm out of my depth. This is, you know, in the Oval Office with Jillian Anderson, you know, from The Crown. And um, yes. but I just went in and did my absolute best. And the casting directors kept having me back and I booked the show. So look for I the first lady. Um, April 17th on Showtime. I can't and, wait, Mark. And we're going to they're going to we're going to make sure we connect with everybody, too. And you may not know this, but, you know, you and I have been serving on the Board of Governors for the Southeast Emmys for many years now. And we first started uh, together. I remember they introduced you as the vice president. Me and my daughter, Angel, were there like, oh, wow, there's the vice president. And Jeremy was the president at the time. And we're just like, you are a wow to us. And you still are a wow. <laughs> but I remember you talking to us and you were talking about you were going to break into acting, that you were you know, moving, you know, some things around because you were going to head into the acting. And I remember the sparkle in your eye. I remember you being so excited about it, but you know how everybody's always nervous about your friends that say, Oh, I'm going to go be an actor. But you had that serious look in your mind that you knew how to do it. You had already won three Emmys for being a news anchor. You were not novice to being in front of the camera. So you had some things going for you. And something else I'm noticing you have going for you is you're a great student. You never stop learning. You can fake it till you make it. And that can be bad in some ways. But in this case, it's very good because in acting, you do have to fake it like you're not, you know, a novice on that set and walk in like you own the place, even though you were probably butterflies like crazy, especially yeah. if you see like a Viola Davis or Matthew McConaughey or Jamie yeah. Foxx and you compose yourself and you do all that in spades. I see such great things in your future because you're doing everything right and you're fearless. You can feel the fear, but you do it anyway. And that's half the battle because nobody is ever not feeling the fear. But the difference is those of us that step forward anyway, say, what do I have to lose? I want to be totally used up when I die anyway. And I'd rather say all the things that I fell on my face and didn't get like your thousand auditions or 114 that said no, that 115th one said, said yes. yes. But that's a, that's a hard I thing. You have that. to really um, not lose confidence in yourself. Uh, because, you know, you are not in control as an actor. They, they, they are looking for certain, you know, types mm, exactly. or a certain part. You might look too much like the lead actor or the lead actress, mm -hmm. or you remind the mm -hmm. lead actor of his brother-in-law who he can't stand, you know? You, right, you, right, right, right. <laughs> every audition, and this is the thing about it. I audition probably eight to ten times per week. Each audition takes at least an hour to prepare for I have to really get into the character. Right. And even if it's a one line audition, I do it. If my agent sends it to me, I do it because um, that audition is going to lead to the next one. Every chance mm -hmm. to be seen is your chance to be hired. Right. But exactly. You know, and one thing you do have, um, Mark, you have control over. You have control. I remember my agent used to tell me this of showing up and giving that talent, that act, that uh, casting director the opportunity to say yes or no to you. But if you don't show up, it's already no. So you can control how many you show up to and saying yes to that one liner because most people will quit before they ever get the opportunity for that casting director to say yes, because they quit at 200 auditions and said no. They didn't get to that one that said, you're perfect, because they gave up, because it's not easy. 
It's very nice. difficult. And another uh, great acting coach in Atlanta and a great actor is Alex Collins, who's also at Drama Inc. Alex talked to us in class that he was in L.A. for 10 years, never booked anything and never really? gave up, never, never booked. So he, I was shocked when you just give up. But Alex kept going. And now if you look him up on IMDb, he is a he's working on some great stuff. He's uh, he was on True Detective as well. Uh, I think he's on Stargirl now. But Alex um, never gave up. And, you know, and him coaching, if you, thanks. If you Alex, he's always giving advice to other actors. You know, we're on Facebook groups and stuff. Alex right. is always helping other people. And I'm confident that comes back to help him. It really does. And I like that he never gives up. And sometimes not giving up means you can stay in an industry you love. Even if you're not like the prima ballerina, you're still the owner of a ballet studio or the teacher or the mentor. Because sometimes we're the star. Sometimes we don't get to be the star, but we can still stay in an industry, whatever that is, that we love. Right. Mark, so, I can talk you know, to you. One thing before I forget this is that I don't play, I don't necessarily play the leading guy, but I'm playing his father now. Nothing wrong with that. You're in the industry, Mark. Top ten percent of getting paid to do what they love to do in the industry of the acting world, and I'm going to claim it with your friend that said from Emmy to Oscar because there are supporting actors, there's lead actors, there's producers and directors, there's Oscars for so many things. Who knows? where you end up, you're still so young, you're driven, you feel the fear and do it anyway, you value good coaching, good teaching, staying a student until the day we die, we're always learning. Learn right. something new every day. And Absolutely. I want to get to a couple quick questions before we finish up. I could talk to you all night long, you're fascinating, and how you went from interviewing killers to where you are now and everything in between is so great and it shows resiliencenessness, it shows bravery, and it shows such a good way of, again, keep learning, keep doing, keep putting that one foot in front of the other because you never know what opportunities will knock. And it could be left or right, but it's okay. It's more opportunities, but we can't sit home. We can't feel the fear and give in to the fear. Right. So I'm going to ask you a fun question, Mark, and all of this. You know, we're all here, and well, you and I were here in the Atlanta, Georgia area, and Georgia is a hot spot for TV and movies and film. It's such a great space. We love it. And I asked you earlier, and it's one of mine as well. I said, Mark, what's your favorite TV show and why? So I'm going to let you answer that question. Ozark is my favorite yes. show. I love Laura Lynn. I love Ozark. Uh, Jason Bateman, you know, he used to play the goofy you know, quirky yeah. guy. And mm -hmm. now he plays this really complicated character. And uh, he's got a new series called Florida Man coming out uh, soon too. But I auditioned three times for Ozark last year and I didn't get picked, but um, it was three really good parts. So I love shows like Ozark that are Which dark. Which parts were they? Uh, I, I really, I'm under non-disclosure on that no, because the, the episodes are not out yet. There's seven oh, more to go. But oh a couple of the parts were really good. I had a great time, but I wanted to play uh, the FBI agent that arrested Darlene. If you watch the show, you know Darlene. Yes, right? I do. <laughs> How I crazy she is. I but, love uh, her. Great actress. I love her. And I can't forget, we have a movie out right now. We just uh, released. What is first, it? Um, we just released a horror film called The Curse of La Patasola. And it's about a female monster from Amazon folklore who preys on couples who cheat. 
Uh, and we created Ooh. this um, movie. And again, I was not a horror fan, to be honest with you. But my writing partner who's working with me on the TV series, we've been meeting with managers and so forth. And I want to sell my show to HBO. Right. And we have the whole show Bible uh, uh, pilot episode written and so forth. And he said to us, guys, I can get you the meeting at HBO. But the second question you're going to be asked is what else have you done together? And my writing partner, AJ Jones, AJ, if you're out there and Jilly, uh, AJ called me and he said, listen, I have an idea. So this was just as COVID was happening. Right. Oh, my God. He said, um, I want to produce a horror film with you. I want you to be the executive producer of a horror film. And I said, AJ, let me stop you right there. I'm, I'm not a horror fan. I'm comedy. I'm drama. He said, you want to get your show on HBO, right? And I was like, yeah. He said, this is the way we're going to do it. We're gonna Stepping produce- out of your comfort zone again, Mark. People have no work right now. I've, I know all these mm-hmm. um, people in production, actors, nobody had a job, right? Everything right. shut down. And he said, we can do this. We can raise the money. So we went out knocking on doors to friends and family. And sure enough, we raised the money. Uh, the script was and you great. had the red carpet opening right here, and all of us at the Southeast Emmys went to the the yeah. red carpet. How amazing! So fun. But um, we we shot the movie over 21 days down in um, a swamp outside of Orlando, Florida. We spent every waking minute together. The cast yeah. and crew of 35. We COVID tested, you know, regularly every day. We right. had every meal together, and it was just a wonderful experience that we produced this movie. And we sold it uh, in North America. Vertical Entertainment is our distribution partner. We were in theaters for two weeks in 22 markets across the country. And now you can see it on all the streaming services, iTunes, Amazon, your cable. Uh, but do check it out. The Curse of La Patasola. You're going to see some great actors. Uh Hometown Atlanta talent who made this happen. Um, yeah. So now, Are you acting in it as well, Mark? Yeah. Or you just, I, play, oh. I play the park ranger who warns. Uh, the movie's about these two couples who are having problems in their relationship, and they decide to go to the state park on a camping trip, camping and fishing trip. And it's getting, you know, they're, they're getting into the state park. It's getting dark, and they get pulled over by a state trooper, uh, by, by a park ranger. And I play the park ranger who warns them. <laughs> not to go into uh, the forest. Don't go in there. I love it. I love it. I don't want to spoil it for you, but... uh, No, don't spoil it. But you think he's the killer. It's kind of a red herring. That's horrors like that. Initially, you think he's the bad guy. Um, Don't tell us. We don't want to know. I'm going to tell you, but (laughs) Curse of La Patasola, it's doing extremely well. We're so happy. We have two more films in development right now and uh, the True Crime series. But again, it was taking a chance and it was like, I want to try that. I want to and not take no for an answer because you're going to be turned down. I I remember this when I first started applying to TV stations, I got a letter back from one of the stations that said, dear Mr. Pettit, uh, thank you for applying to whatever channel. Unfortunately, we don't have any openings commensurate with your skills. And I remember what does commensurate mean? I had to look it up of what commensurate meant. What does it mean? It means that we don't have anything that matches your skill set. <laughs> okay, simple. You're not yeah, you're not what we're looking. <laughs> Didn't for. they say that to Oprah back in the day too? Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but again, she didn't give up, and uh, so yeah, I just yeah. have always said, "Why not? 
not know why not right absolutely and mark not only are you doing all this you still have your your pr business you're doing your acting audition you're doing movies and producing you've got your true crime stories uh coming out i put your instagram here just for a one-stop place where people can go there to always you always post great things on your instagram so they can always go there see the name of that movie because i can't spell it so your <laughs> instagram.com backslash mark underscore petit pettit with two t well actually three d's p-e-t-t-i-t i-t so look him up for sure um but uh with that i want to know since you're doing so well you're also the vice president of the southeast emmys where you find the time to do all that and you give us you do such great events for us there we've done your red carpet events you did the van gogh event for us you're so active and not just again on our board you are our vice president tell me real quick and only like we'll have a few more minutes left but i do want to shout out our southeast emmys they are so amazing we're, we're a hard-working yeah. board yeah. yeah and you're like i said our vice president evelyn mims is our president what is the most rewarding thing about doing that? Because you have to make time for that because you are always auditioning and in movies. What is the most rewarding rewarding thing about working on the Board of Governors for the Emmys? I think the, the, the main mission of the Emmy organization is excellence in television. And I always, you know, loved TV. And back when I was on Channel 11, my reports would sometimes run six and 11 minutes long. You know, when uh, one of the Emmys I won was for a series called Security for Sale. And it's where I dressed as a pilot and as a baggage handler. This was before 9-11 and got onto aircraft at Hartsville-Jackson Airport. We were able to violate security twice. And I remember oh the gosh. first report ran 11 minutes. Can you imagine that now on wow, television? Look, you get three. Yeah, or a minute and a half or a minute. So, mm -hmm. um, but what I want to do is help keep that excellence flame a fire, right? And to help younger journalists coming along if they need mentoring or uh, just a group that they can, you know, it's access. You and I talked about this yesterday yeah. on our board call. You have, if you join this organization, you have access to these people like Karen Greer, you know, um, Monica Pearson, uh, people like that who are legends. Red Blankenship, George Blankenship. Jeff, all these great people. All these great, great people who, um, TV news is hard work. It's a hard business. Nights, weekends, early mornings, the shift changes. It's it's not easy, but they're out there every day trying to bring us the truth. And I've been yeah. discouraged somewhat uh, with the way the media has been um, uh, belittled and made to be fake news and so forth. When mm -hmm. I know 99% of the people in this business are hardworking. They're out there every day mm -hmm. trying to bring us the truth. So that's what I try to do is just keep that focus on excellence, keep trying to help the next generation of uh, yeah. reporters. And it's fun to be around you and Evelyn and <laughs> Daryl Cohen, who is a trip. Daryl, right? he's on, what is he on court TV as well. And yeah. we've got a whole bunch of superstars on the board and in, in Natus in the Southeast Emmys. And if you're in this area in the Southeast, really get to know us and come on into some of our events or look us up on our website. We'll put that up because Mark, I, you and I agree that this area here in the Southeast Atlanta, our journalists are, like you said, the Karen Greers, you know, the Fred Blankenships are all so willing to give back and mentor. And when you're part of this community, part of just being a member, you can be a member here, you know, in the, in the area as well. Just go to the website, which I will put that up and you can come to events and you can come to things, you meet them and they're so personable and so willing to give back. Right. I remember we were at the Emmys one year and Monica Pearson was, our, our MC that that time she was our host just maybe a few years ago maybe one or two years before the pandemic pandemic hit and she spent 
all of her time backstage in between being on the stage, being our host, mentoring these young people that are helping us backstage, give out the Emmy Awards. She just poured into them, poured into them. She lit up. She was smiling and she was telling me, she was, you know, I just love helping the next generation. And I Mon- see that Monica, in Karen Greer. I see it in you. See it Monica. in everybody. That's one of my, I wish they would bring an all-star team back because one of my regrets is not getting to anchor the news with Monica Pearson. Uh, oh, I always loved her and she is a delightful human being in person. She really is. And now she's over at CBS 46 and uh, Peachtree with Karen. with Karen and her Karen new Drew. show uh, one-on-one with Monica. So check Monica out because she's Please. terrific, A, but really Please. a great person. And uh, I think they're you know, also great. Leader in person. So before I forget this, um, yes, go right ahead before we close up. Um, my PR firm, we handle uh, publicity for Van Gogh, the immersive experience here in Atlanta. And uh, uh, it was here last year for the first time. And those are the things that we try to do is bring uh, people to events like that. Like they were so kind to have the Emmy organization in for the the grand opening, but we're about to be opening in a new location here in Atlanta and uh, bring more of those kind of immersive experiences to the city. So it's fun uh, to cross over from both PR and entertainment and the the news business and uh, to work with people like you, Aurea. And you too, Mark. Rewarding. You just you're a hard worker. You're giving everybody hope and inspiration. And you just told such great stories tonight. It was really fascinating. I really love this. I could talk to you, like I said, forever. I knew I needed to give you the whole show because this is just good conversation. This is a good story. Being the reporter and the actor that you are, telling the good stories is what you do. And I don't want to make that a five-minute interview or a 15-minute interview because it needs to be told. So I'm going to close up. I hate doing it, but we've got to ask you your last question, Mark, which I love asking everybody that comes on the show because it's so special to me, which is, you know, when I got cancer, I realized my life could have ended. And it made me very hyper aware of how we live every day, not just day to day, but moment by moment, because at some point in our life, we will have our last moment. So legacy is so special to me. So Mark, if I ask you, how do you want to be remembered? And what do you hope your legacy is? Because I see you working towards it. So what is your legacy? I think that he was just a nice guy. He tried to, you know, give back like that was given to him and uh, just leave the earth a little better than, than we found it. Right. Uh, but just the ho- I hope people say, you know what? He was, a, he was a nice guy and um, he did a lot of good. Hopefully I've, I try to volunteer and work on yeah. um, committees like children's health care. I was on the marketing committee for eight years and oh. just seeing the wonderful work they do to help children. Right. Uh, on the Atlanta convention yeah. and visitors bureau board for 20 years, trying to help bring things to the city. So hopefully they'll say, you know what? He's, he's an old codger now, but you know, he tried. <laughs> I love it. Mark, you're already on your way. You're already a great person. You already give back and you mentor. Just keep on keeping on. And people will remember that you're a nice guy. And I'd also like to add to that talented, hard worker, fearless in the way that you felt the fear and you're still feeling it, but still doing it. And an action taker who gives back to the next generation. And I want to thank my parents for instilling that in me. And my mother, who's no longer with us, um, she never got on an airplane. But uh, I would call her every Sunday morning from wherever I was. Mom, I'm in Las Vegas. I'm in Paris. Are you going to call me next Sunday? But she would always say, there's something special about you. 
and you're, you're, you can do it. You can do anything. So she never doubted that I could do it, but I used to go to work with her. Uh, you know, you, every now and then we get to go to the office or not to the office. She worked mm -hmm. in the plant and she would mend carpet and rugs. And I'm thinking really? if she can get up every morning and do that, wow. um, I can, I can be a newscaster or I can be an actor. Yeah. But it's the work ethic. You must work. Okay. Uh, nothing's going to be given to you. You have to go for it. Uh, but if you yes, give sir. back, things happen to you that are good for you that you don't even know. Somebody, if you, you're that good person and you're trying to give back, people are doing things for you that you don't even know because they like you and they yeah. uh, they see something and they want to help you. And, and um, you got to just for that. I love that. So I'm going to add that to your legacy. You have great work ethic, which is so true. You got that from your mom. When you said that, you know, when you said, I'd like to thank my mom, it just was your deja vu for you accepting your Oscar because you said, I'd like to thank my mom. And you're going to thank in the Academy and God. It's I already heard you accepting your Oscar, Mark. Well, before, so, we, before we go, I got to tell you a story about the, uh, the Emmy Awards. Uh, the year I lost my job, I won two Emmys that year. I love it. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, but I took my grandmother uh, one year to the Emmy. She had never been in a limousine and I rented a limo. Um, her daughters bought her this sparkly dress and it was a wonderful night. She was beaming from ear to ear and she was meeting all the other newscasters and so forth. So uh, that was a wonderful experience. And just to be able to share that with her before she passed on and uh, you know, she kept my picture, my little autographed picture from Channel 11 right by her TV set um, till she died. But uh, I miss her. I but, you know, she, again, hard workers, the Pettit family, mm -hmm. they're hard workers um, and mountain people. I'm from my family's from <laughs> LSA, Georgia. And oh, um, yeah, it's not far from where I live up here in Calhoun. And so uh, I want to thank the people who helped me in Calhoun who, you know, you're accepting the Oscar right now, Mark. And I'd like to thank the people in Calhoun. You're, yep. you're practicing. Yeah, I hope so. You never know, right? You are, you are, you Not can do it, Mark. Question. You can do it. Thank you for being here, Mark. You've been a pleasure. Loved it all. Hope everybody will tap into you. Um, put your, your Instagram up one more time. It's Instagram.com backslash Mark underscore Pettit, P-E-T-T-I-T. Reach out to him, direct message him. He's the real deal and he'll reach back out to you if you want yeah. mentorship, guidance, advice, if you're in this industry or anything that Mark said resonated with you, don't hesitate to reach out to him and or me. We are here at Get Celebritized to help you earn more so you can live more, so you can give back more and live your best legacy. Mark, thank you for being here with us tonight. So appreciate you. You're amazing. Mwah. I appreciate you too, Aurea. Thank you very much. And see you on TV, everybody, and at the movie. Yeah, and I want to be your date when you go to the Oscars, I'm just saying. But I think okay. my daughter's going to fight me for that position. Oh, <laughs> you should hear her sing. You should hear Angelica sing, okay? Thank it you. It was sad. Our sound system was not up to her performance at our <laughs> holiday party, right, Aurea? Yeah, but she, it didn't matter. She bolted it out. <laughs> but thank so, you for having me, and thank you thank for you. all you do, Aurea. You're uh, a ray of sunshine, okay? Thank you, Mark, so much. All right, good night, everyone. Till next time, this is Rhea on Get Celebritized. Have a great rest of your night. Thanks, Mark. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening to Get Celebritized with Araya McGarry. We hope this episode inspires you to earn more, live more, and give back more. To learn more about Araya, visit her website, arayamagarry.com, and make sure to follow her at Araya McGarry Productions on Instagram. 
and join her on Clubhouse at Celebritize Your Business. And don't forget to rate and review this podcast. Thanks again for listening to Get Celebritized with Araya McGarry.